guys. I'm a little scared, so if I stutter, just laugh at me or something. It'll be better if I do that. Okay. So I was not planning on do this. Like, I, I was really scared to start speaking in front of people, and I'm a little still nervous. But I was just praying the other day, and I was just writing in my little journal. It helps me focus better. And um, I just started thanking God for everything. I feel like I was asking for a lot from him and not like appreciating like what he's already given me. Um, so I just started thanking him. I started appreciating what he was doing for me. And I had watched a video earlier that day. It was talking about um, just Jesus, how he died on the cross for us. And it was talking about Barabbas and how um, they wanted Barabbas to be free over Jesus. And then the what the guy had said in the video, he was saying for Barabbas to be treated like Jesus, Jesus had to be treated like Barabbas, which I thought was pretty cool. And that's not really related to anything, but it's in there. So, um, yeah. And then I started praying again. Oh, and that also just reminded me, it shows like the forgiveness of God and how they would have rather had a murderer over Jesus. So I started praying again. Um, I was just thanking him again. And then um, I felt like he was telling me that like we just have to stay appreciative. We have to thank him every day for what he's done for us. And we need to stay hungry and on fire for him. Um, he told me not to get comfortable with him. He wanted us to re-fall in love with him every day. He wanted us to just keep going after him. And that's not an easy thing to do. So that's why we have to ask God to help us. It's not easy to follow God. We have to ask him to help us follow him. Because for me, I struggle. Like, I, I rush God's time a lot. So I'm trying to prioritize him and just... Yeah, just prioritize him. I'm trying to make him the center of my life and make time for him, like, throughout everything that we're doing, whether it's homework or talking to your friends, hanging out with them, making him the first thing. And, um, sorry, I'm reading what I have. Oh, and that's also how we maintain the desire. We have to ask him or else it's not going to be there. We just have to keep asking him. So, Whenever you're praying at night or whatever you're doing, you just need to ask him to maintain desire, help help us refall in love with him, and just appreciate him again. And then I had a verse. This is definitely not going to be 10 minutes. This is all I have. But um, whenever I was talking about refalling in love with him every day, I, there was a verse that said, I think this is like the greatest commandment I'm thinking. Um, it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your hope, and with all your mind. And that just came to mind whenever I was looking at it. And then I had another one, and it's, oh, and also allowing God to live through you. Whenever Pray for that every night. Allow him to live through you and have access to you. And then I had one more verse, and then that's it. Um, it was... Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. So that was it. 
Good job, Alexa. That that was awesome. And just what what a blessing to hear, you know, the the teen, a teenager, right, just come forward and and it's not easy to come up here and and speak. And so what what a what a blessing. Thank you, Alexa. Um, so the children could head back. They have um, just a special little event, and um, children are dismissed. And let's welcome uh, Paul. Well, we'll pray for Paul. <laughs> Lord, we thank you. We thank you for, for Paul. We thank you for what you've just spoken to him. We thank you for his faithfulness, Lord. And years and years, Lord God, being here and, and Lord, planting seeds and, and digging deep, Lord. And we're, we're excited to hear what you have to, to speak to us through him. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you, Joel. Thank you, Alexa. That was awesome. I mean, that's so true. I mean, I grew up, you know, in a church... Um, and, you know, I, I knew a lot about religion, but um, it wasn't until I experienced and encountered him that I fell in love with him, you know. And that's been my prayer, actually. I pray that almost every day for my kids. Lord, help my kids to fall in love with you. Because that's what really sustains our relationship with the Lord, and that's how we really can live this life is, is that love relationship with him. So that was awesome. All right. You guys ready? All right. Um, I actually had this message, I think, a couple weeks ago, and uh, God changed plans. But I I really feel like it's a timely message for us. And I've actually spoke on some of this already, um, but it's just kind of stirring in the spirit. I don't know. That's that's the churchy way of saying that. (laughs) I really feel like this this stirring in the spirit, uh, specifically surrounding um, what we've been kind of talking about over the past couple weeks and past couple months, is that you know God wants to really move significantly here, here, right here where you're standing in this building in Wilmington. Just like look around you, look at all the people around you. God wants to move through these people here in a powerful way, in a significant way, in a life, permanent, heart-transforming way. God wants to move here. I'm convinced of it. And um, you guys have kind of you've been hearing us kind of talk about uh, the Welsh Revival and... Um, the Azusa Street Revival and Brownsville Revival, Toronto. I, I, I highly encourage you guys to, uh, I think Travis shared a couple of weeks ago, he had a book, it was a Rick Joyner book, I think it's Power to Transform the World or something like that. Does anybody remember the name of that book? But anyway, I encourage you guys, it's a small book. Man, read, like, fill yourself with this. The book's about like the the connection between the Zusa and the the Welsh revival and all everything that took place, man. When you read those books, it just like stirs up faith to see this happen here in our day. This is like that was like 120 some years ago, right? 
But like God wants to do it here. We need it here. I've been reading this book, um, rereading this book called God Can Use Little Old Me. Anybody read that book? It's kind of a cheesy title. <laughs> Anybody? But it's, uh, it's actually Randy Clark, a story of Randy Clark um, before Toronto and the, just the, the awesome move of God uh, that took place in Toronto. Anybody know about the Toronto outpouring? It was significant. It touched millions of people. And it's like reverberating even today um, the fruit from it. And I've just been reading it, and it's just been so encouraging, this book. I encourage you to get this book, too. I've, just been, I've been reading these books. There's another book on the Welsh Revival by Rick Joyner, um, and it's strictly about the, the Welsh Revival, and I've been reading that as well. And it's just been stirring something up. And it's not just kind of like hype. It's not just like an emotionalism. It's been like um, a confirmation of something I already knew. Does that make sense? That when I read it, I'm like, God, you've been talking to me about this even before I read it. Like, you want to do something here in our day, in our time, in our generation that wasn't exactly like that. I mean, no move of God is the same. You know, I'm not looking for the Welsh revival or necessarily the Azusa Street revival to happen exactly, you know, but I am looking for a move of his Holy Spirit that the outcome, our souls are saved, cities are transformed, nations are transformed, where God moves in such a way that we see the fruit of all these things that, that I've been reading about. Does that make sense? So we're not praying for another Azusa Street. We're not praying for like another Welsh revival or even another Toronto but we are, we are praying and asking the Lord to bring a move of God here that the results are the same, if you know what I'm saying. Does that make sense? Okay. And I don't know if you guys were here, I think it was a month ago. I said a month ago when you were speaking and uh, on, on like a move of God. And I literally, like literally, like Travis is up here, right? I'm going to reenact it. Travis is up here, you know, speaking about there's a move coming. And I'm sitting over there. And as soon as he said that, I looked out the, the back window. I don't know why. And I saw this moving truck literally right through the window. Why is a moving truck at our church, first off? I mean, come on now. The significance of that. I mean, you just can't make that up. God wants to move. He was saying he wants to move here. He was confirming what Travis was saying with the sign. That's called a sign. You guys know signs from the Bible. So... Come on, you can't make that stuff up. And this, is, this has been happening over the past probably, I don't know, six months, year, of just like weird kind of cool prophetic things. You guys know we're a prophetic church. We love the prophetic. I love when God speaks. I love his voice. I want, I want to hear more of it. Lord, show me what's on your heart. And so that's why I love those little things where you're just kind of like, yeah, keep going, Paul. He's like, he's saying, uh, he's, he's pointing to a sign and what does a sign do? What does a sign do? You drive them down the road. What does a sign do? It tells you you're going in the right direction or it tells you you need to shift in direction. So that sign was saying, Morning Star Fellowship, you're on the right road. Keep going. Does that make sense? And I just want to encourage you guys, and I think Travis shared this a couple of weeks ago about what this, the move of God or the move of his Holy Spirit here, 
uh, is going to look like, and there's going to be significant power released. There's going to be power. God's power is going to be released. That's I, I'm, that is going to be a highlight or a a picture or um, I don't know what's the right word for it, but it's going to be like a um, significant part of what God's going to do here. His power is going to be released. And um, we were up in the falls together as a leadership team, and we were just seeking the Lord together. And I don't know how much you shared. Um, I think I wasn't there that you shared the whole thing, <laughs> even the Pictionary thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you guys heard the Pictionary story, right? I mean, you can't make that stuff up. I mean, that was crazy. That was the game-winning point. For you guys who weren't there, <laughs> yeah, Josh was drawing. So, I mean, we were seeking the Lord earlier, and the Lord specifically was speaking to us out of Ephesians 3, and specifically in Ephesians 3, 14, the one, and it talks about being rooted and grounded in love. You know, um, but before that, it's talking about being strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. And it's talking about power, but then it talks about love, and it talks about us experientially knowing the love of Christ that's, that's beyond knowledge and to be filled up to all the fullness of God. So there's this marriage here of power and love, okay? And we've had a dream, uh, I think Travis had a dream. Somebody had a dream, like, I don't know, when we, when we first kind of like formed here, when Travis came, about um, God moving in our, in our body and that there were roots that were kind of above ground and people were tripping over them. And it was the Lord telling us that we need to get our roots deep. We need to be rooted and grounded in love. And for you guys that don't know that being grounded, I think this is important. I, I know some of you guys have heard this already, but I think this is important because this is what the Lord is speaking, okay? And I don't know about you guys, but I have to hear, I think scientifically you have to hear eight things eight times before you actually <laughs> retain it in your memory. I think that's some kind of psycho psychology kind of experiment thing. So, so this is your second time you guys hearing it. <laughs> okay, yeah. So we were, we were seeking the Lord. The Lord was speaking in Ephesians 3. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff that the Lord was speaking to us about being rooted and grounded in love. And if you guys, for you guys who aren't electricians like myself, when you um, build a house, uh, it's actually code that you have to ground the house because when ele electricity is going through your house, right? When Duke Power hooks up your power, there's electricity going all throughout your house. There's lightning that might hit your house, all this stuff. And whenever, like, electricity, whenever the power um, is turned on, if there's excess power, there needs, a, there needs to be a place where it, it I'm just putting this in layman's terms, um, there needs to be a place for that power to go if there's excess power. And, that, and that's what they do. They, they literally drive these grounding rods, sometimes, a lot of times they're copper, these big copper rods into your ground, and they connect it to your house and to your panel, your power panel. panel. So if there's a surge of power, that it doesn't blow up your house, it doesn't burn your house down, that it, like, it gets, like, I think the word's well grounded, it gets grounded to that grounding rod into the ground, okay, and it doesn't destroy your house. So this is the picture here. Are you guys seeing this picture? When the power of God comes and, and, and touches our house, 
He wants to prepare us to be able to, to really be able to handle this power, that it doesn't burn our house down, <laughs> if you know what I mean. And I don't know if you guys have studied revival in the past, when the power of God shows up, it puts a stress and a strain on the, the people of God that he's using and he, who he's moving through. So much so sometimes it actually like hurts their body, the body of Christ there, that in a sense, you know what I mean, the local body, if they aren't prepared for it, um, but in God's sovereignty, he knows what he's doing and he, and he does it. But God is preparing us as a body, uh, as, this, as this little church here on Market Street, he's preparing us to move in significant power and he wants us to be rooted and grounded in his love so that when the power comes, that we, we actually have a, a brotherly love for one another and for the people that come here, that we would be able to love them with his love. And the only way to do that is Ephesians 3, where it says that he's praying, this is Apostle Paul praying, that you would experientially know the love of Christ which is beyond knowledge, which you cannot perceive, basically, in your natural mind. And that word experientially is key because a lot of us know the love of God. We know, we tell people all the time, Jesus loves you, and we have this head knowledge of the love of God, but we don't have the experiential knowledge of it. You know there's a difference, right? There's a difference. God wants us to experience his love for us. He wants us to, first of all, he wants us to experience his love for him because we, that's why he created us in the very beginning. We are literally objects of his love. He wanted something to pour out his love on, and that was us and his creation. And so he wants us, first off, to experience his love in that capacity, but he also wants us to be experienced, he wants us to experience his love so that we can handle the weight and responsibility of the power of God so that we would be good stewards of the anointing of the Holy Spirit and that we would love people well. We would love people with his heart and we would administer the power and the resources of heaven the way he sees fit, not just doing it for works, but doing it with his heart. Does that make sense? He's looking, he's literally looking for a people that not only will be accurately talking about the truth about God, but they will be accurately communicating and showing who he really is, his nature. And he wants to do that. So he's, he's, that's what he's doing right now. If you guys aren't aware, that's what he's doing. <laughs> so yeah, so that this, is, this is the sign to this, okay? This is the sign to this. So later that night, we were playing Pictionary, and it got rowdy. I mean, oh my gosh, I saw people laughing so hard. They were crying. I never saw before here in this church. It was awesome. And um, for the game-winning point, I kid you not, I mean, this is only God. Uh, Josh, when I, it was his turn. I was on Josh's team, winning team here, baby. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, and it was a tie, right? But this is like, or something. It was like the game, <laughs> the game winning point. And um, I'm trying to stay humble in all this, man. man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm trying to walk in love here. I'm trying to practice what I'm preaching here. 
<laughs> but um, so the game, the uh, the word that Josh gets. Well, hold on, let me just show you. So we're watching him. He's drawing this house, and he's drawing this line down to this other line that's in the ground next to the house. And we were just like, like gra- grounded, ground or whatever. And it, and the word literally was grounded, and it was for the win. I mean, come on now. You can't make that up. I mean, we weren't like looking through the Pictionary cards. It's like, hey, this would be really cool. You know? The last word that we, we played and we won with was grounded. And he's literally drawing the picture of the house that we were just talking about like four hours previous to this or whatever it was. Come on, you can't make that up. That's God. Are we hearing him? Are we listening? He is speaking very clearly. I mean, because you can't make that up. Here. Somebody approached me and said, hey, do you want to make some extra money on the weekend grounding houses? And he was telling me the procedure of calling up on roofs and running a copper wire and everything into the ground. But it didn't hit me until right now. So, like, that was the spring. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? I mean, I am so encouraged. I am so Man, because I've been praying for this thing. And sometimes, you know, you're kind of like, Lord, is that just me, like, aiming too high, like, for a move of God in our dinky little church here on Market Street? You know what I mean? Anybody else think that sometimes? It's like, am I just aiming too high? Lord, am I just dreaming too, like, you know, because I want to do what he's doing. You know what I'm saying? I want to do what's on his heart, his purpose for this place. And sometimes, you know, you have those doubts sometimes, like, Lord... We're seeing tastes. We've seen tastes of God's power in this place. We've seen healings. We've seen deliverance. We've seen salvation. We've seen the prophetic operate in a higher level at times. We've seen tastes of it, but we haven't like really stepped into the fullness of what I feel like the Lord showed all of us that is available to us, that is actually our inheritance. And... Um, so anyway, so that, man, I, that so encouraged me. I was just like, Lord, we are on the right track. I'm not just making this stuff up, you know? And that awesome? That should encourage all of you guys, too, because, like, if you're here, this is your body, like, that God's called you to be part of, like, that means you, too. You're here in Wilmington, not by accident, on purpose to be part of a move of God here. You are, not just like the pastors, apostles, prophets, you know, all the, the, the church leaders, the body. We need everybody. We talked about this before. Anyway, man, I went on a huge tangent. I've I, I got to come back here. But I, I really feel like this is, this is important, that we value his word when he speaks, that we take him seriously and we take him at his word Right? What did Peter say when um, when Jesus told him to throw his to, his nets and cast into the into the deep? What did he say? Do you guys remember what Peter said to, to the Lord? What's that? Yeah, we've been fishing all night and we didn't caught, catch anything. But at your word, I will do what you tell me. Basically, he's saying. So we, in the same way, need to value when he speaks to us and significantly speaks to us in these ways 
you know, with, with kind of accompanying signs and wonders and all those things. He's looking for, for like a group of people. He doesn't need very many. He only used 120 like to literally transform the whole world. You know, there's about, and like, let's put this in context. There's about 120 people can fit in here comfortably in this building, in this actual area here. I'm not talking about the back. Think about that. God transformed the whole planet with a group the size that could fit in this building here. And I'm, I'm trying to give you guys eyes of faith that, yeah, God can do this. God can move here. He wants to, but he's looking for a people that even what Alexa was sharing, that is hungry for it, that is hungry for him. Because, you know, our prayer, my prayer isn't like for a move of God just for the sake of like excitement and moves of God and just to be able to brag about it or whatever. Who cares about that? We want, we want a move of God because we want him. And we want to see people that we're connected to every day. We go through life here in Wilmington every day. We want to see those people experience and fall in love with him. That will transform this city. That will transform our state and beyond, I believe. So he's looking for somebody who's, or a small group of people that are hungry, that aren't going to give up, that aren't going to get, well, you may get discouraged, but when you do get discouraged, that you pick yourself back up and you keep going and you keep fighting and you keep knocking, you keep asking, you keep seeking. Uh, there we go. Thank you, Holy Spirit. That's a good segue to where I'm going. <laughs> I was like, where am I going to go with this? Everybody, if you got your Bibles, let's turn to 1 Kings 18. We're going we're gonna to be here for a little bit. I'm going to ju- jump around a little bit. But this is kind of, um, this is what the Lord's been speaking to me over the past really probably two, three months. I've been reading reading the Bible like very meticulously over the past, I think it's been two and a half years now. The Lord just told me, like, Paul just, I've read the Bible multiple times, but I just felt like he said, take, like, just don't be in a rush. You know how you're sometimes reading the Bible, it's like, oh, I got to get to the end of this chapter so I can move on, you know? No, it's like, if I don't finish a chapter when I'm reading, if I just stay on a verse for that day when I'm spending time with the Lord, that's cool. If he's got nuggets for me, he's got to speak to me through one verse or one word. If it's one word even. There's been wor- times where it's just been one word that the Lord, Holy Spirit just highlights and just like starts downloading, starts talking to me about this. And I've been, uh, I've been, sp- I've been spending, I'm in uh, Chronicles now. That tells you after two and a half years, gosh. That's, I'm, I mean, it's slow. It's slow, okay? But it's good. And, but I've been reading through, I read through Elijah and Elisha, and I, man, the Lord just like showed so much stuff. To, I was in Elijah and Elisha for like, I think a couple months, just reading through, rereading, the Lord just giving me stuff about it. Multiple times, like as I've been reading through the Bible, the Lord, like where I've, I actually am in reading is significant to where I go. Like when I went to Montana, this is, this is a funny story. When I was in Montana uh, this past summer, my brother, I was visiting my brother and his awesome family. And, um, and my brother's name is David. And he, uh, my nephew's name is Samuel. 
Guess where I was when, when I was in Montana? I was in Samuel, right? Talking about David and Samuel all throughout while I was there. It was awesome. And um, felt like the Lord had some stuff for them. I shared. And, but anyway, so Elijah, okay? We're at 1 Kings 18. And uh, just to kind of give you a little preface here, so uh, for you guys, I encourage you to read this story on your own, but I'm just going to go a little preface here. So basically the Lord told Elijah, um, you know, to basically pray that there would be no rain. And, uh, and so he declares, yeah, there'll be no rain until, until I say, until Elijah at his word, it says, literally he says, at my word, it's, it's going to not rain until I say it's going to rain. Talk about some boldness, right? And some faith. But it was the Lord. He got that from the Lord. Basically, the Lord said, comes up to uh, Elijah in verse 1 and says, Now it happened after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show yourself to Ahab, who was the king of Israel at that time, and I will send rain on the face of the earth. All right? So it's been three and a half years, basically. No rain. There's famine. Uh, everything's dried up. And then, uh, so Elijah, he goes, there's kind of a long story there, but he basically meets up with Ahab, and he says, you know, call all the prophets of Baal and Asherah. And basically, there was a showdown on Mount Carmel. So Elijah had, you know, two altars set up. I got, like I said, I'm just going to go through this real quick because you guys read it on your own. And basically, there was a showdown between the 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 false demonic god of Baal and, you know, our god, you know, the true god. And whoever answers by fire is the true god. That's basically what they were doing. They had two altars set up, and sure enough, God shows up. Fire falls on the altar, burns up everything. And then they literally kill every single Baal uh, prophet. And then, um, so this, like, huge victory for the nation of Israel during that time. And then after this showdown, basically, in verse 41, let's start there. Now Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of the roar of a heavy shower. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, but Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. And he crouched down on the earth and put his face between his knees and he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go back seven times. It came about at the seventh time that he said, behold, a cloud as small as a man's hand is coming up from the sea. And he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down so that the heavy shower does not stop you. In a little while, the sky grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy shower. All right. So basically, you've got Elijah. After this great victory, he's basically like, tells King Ahab, hey, go do what you got to do. I'm going to go up the top of this mountain and uh, get, get ready. I hear the sound of a heavy rain coming. And then so he's, he gets down on the ground, kind of with his head between his knees, and he just starts praying, and he tells his servant, hey, go check, 
go check in the the ocean or whatever the I guess the Mediterranean Sea or whatever, uh, whatever body of water that was, and let me know if you see anything. So the servant goes there and he said, Nah, nothing. He says, Go back. No, nothing. And then on the seventh time, he says, oh, wait a second, I see something. It's, it's small. It's a small cloud the size of a man's hand. That's like this big, right, coming out of the sea. And that's all, that's all Elijah needed. And he said, okay, the rain's coming. And um, this right here is a perfect picture of intercession, I believe. Or, you know, it's, it's one of the pictures in Scripture that talks about intercession. Now, when I mean intercession, it's a fancy church word. It means like praying to see God's purposes, his will on earth as it is in heaven. Standing in the gap between heaven and earth and being that, that middleman to see purposes of God brought here on earth. Okay? So Elijah, that's what he was doing here. He was that intercessor. He had the purpose of God, which was what? Do you guys remember what the purpose of God was at that point? What was the purpose of God? Rain. <laughs> Thank you. This is easy. Right? It's an open book test, guys. You got your Bibles right there. Rain. That was the purpose of, of God at this point, right? To bring rain here on earth, right? Okay. So Elijah took that purpose and that promise of God that he was going to bring and do what he wanted to do here on earth, and he did something. He, got, he went up on the mountain, and he got down in this weird position, and he starts praying, God, send rain, send rain, bring your rain. And he does it over and over and over and over and over and over and over. I think that's that seven times or that six. Okay. And then here comes the rain. So I want to kind of delve deep into this because... This is a picture we've got to marry. As we're going through this, marry this with what God wants to do here, what we were just talking about. God wants to move here significantly. He wants to bring his reign, his Holy Spirit. He wants the Holy Spirit to move here in a significant way. That is the purpose as he's proven it to us through multiple signs now over just even the recent couple of months. Not, not only that, but I mean, I could, I could spend a lot of time of probably over the years that we've been here, the Lord's speaking that he wants to move significantly here. And it's not just our church. We've talked to other churches. There's other churches pursuing the same thing. And um, so anyways, as we're kind of going through this, try to like marry the two here. All right, let's just not just make this some cool Bible story and some head knowledge. Let's make this applicable to our lives right now, to our church, that God has purposes for our body, and he's looking for somebody like Elijah to stand in the gap, to intercede, to bring the purposes of heaven here on earth. So, number one, Elijah heard prophetically the roar of a heavy shower, right? He heard, it had him rain for three and a half years. What do you mean he heard some rain? You know what I mean? You guys ever read that and be like, what? What are you talking about? He heard rain. There was no rain in the natural, but he heard something in the spirit, right? He was getting this prophetically. That's why it's so important for us to be hearing the voice of God, valuing what he's speaking to us, and, and taking him at his word and interceding with that and fighting with it, actually using his word to fight for the promises to come here. Does that make sense? 
So we need to be aware. We, need, we are a prophetic church. We love the prophetic. We equip people in the prophetic. We want to hear what his voice is. We need to hear what he's saying specifically for us here. And, and guess what? He's been speaking to you guys, whether you like it or not. <laughs> Most of the time, you know, God speaks to us all the time. But we're like Samuel, and we think it's Eli. We haven't learned to recognize it's his voice. And that's why we have our prophetic equipping uh, every month so that we can learn to recognize his voice because he's speaking to you right now. He's speaking to you every day. And he has been speaking to you guys. You guys have shared dreams with us of like, I mean, crazy, significant, prophetic stuff that you just can't make up. That you, Some of you guys have told us dreams and stuff that I mean, you couldn't have known that in the natural, but it was the Lord showing you. He was speaking to you in the spirit. He was giving you things for us to be praying through and to target in our intercession and in our prayer for, to bring the purposes of heaven here on earth in, in this building, in you, in Wilmington. Does that make sense? So I'm saying that we need to be like very intentional about like not just like oh man i had this weird dream about our church last night it was like this happened da, 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 da. it was a man i must have had some funky indian food last night or something you know no, like taking serious what he's been giving you writing it down sharing it with the leadership team i mean we want to hear from you guys what you guys are getting from the lord because he's, he's not just speaking to the leadership team. He's speaking to all of us. And I, that's one thing about this, this move of the Holy Spirit is he's going to want to use everybody. Not just like this one man of God that we've seen in the past. Because and, and really, in, in actuality, it wasn't really just one guy. And if you do your history or whatever, it, there is a, a lot of times one significant one person that God used or two people or whatever, but there was like a group, a body that was helping to facilitate this move and, you know, start fires everywhere. So we need to be really cognizant of like what he's speaking to us, being available to hear his, his word. Um, that's number one. And then when he speaks to us with prophetically about these things, because you got to think about it like this. The big picture, the big target is his purpose. And if his big, the big picture and the big target is a move of the Holy Spirit here in Wilmington, that's the big picture. But within that big target, he's going to give us smaller targets to go after in prayer. So obviously we pray, Lord, Show up in Wilmington, Lord, Holy Spirit, bring your presence here. But there's, there's specific targets that he wants us to, like, to attack, in a sense, to shoot. Like, think of yourself like it's kind of like a Holy Spirit sniper, right? He's going to give you the target. You're going to go like, okay, I got my, my target on this thing that he's telling me to hit. And then he's going to want us to be praying in the Spirit for that thing, to be accomplished, to be removed, to be released. You know, we have authority to do these things here. And there's actually, there's roadblocks to this purpose. Because guess what? We don't see it right now, right? Do you see a move of the Holy Spirit here? Not yet. I mean, the Holy Spirit is moving. Don't get me wrong. He's moving. We've seen significant things. But like what he wants to do, the fullest potential of what he wants to do is not here yet. Okay. 
There's things that are hindering it. And he wants to use us to remove the blocks. He wants us to be making the, the, the path straight. He wants us literally, literally to be kind of like a, a John the Baptist in a sense, to make the path straight, to like literally create a highway and a runway for his Holy Spirit to come and to move in our city. And that's done through intercession. We got the Air Force man right here, right? I'm talking about Lonnie here. We need these stumbling blocks, these things that are hindering God to be removed, and he's going to use every single one of you to do it. It's not going to be just Travis. It's not just going to be me. It's not just going to be Lonnie. It's not going to just be Josh. It's going to be all of us to see these, these things that are hindering the move of God removed from the past so that he can move here. And you might be asking, well, if it's God, why don't he just kind of show up? You know, he's God. He can do whatever he wants, right? Yeah, he's sovereign, but he has given authority and responsibility to his church. And, it, and I've got the same questions for Elijah here. We're just going to go through this. So Elijah went on top of the mountain. He gets into this birthing position. He's literally a birthing position, and he starts praying. And so the question you might be thinking is, like, why didn't God just send the rain? Why did Elijah even have to pray? You know, God is he's wanting to partner with us to bring the purpose of heaven here on earth. He wants to accomplish his will through his church, through you, through me, because he loves relationship. Lord showed me a picture one time when my, I remember Annabelle, she was like real, like probably like, I don't know, four, three or four. I remember coming downstairs, you know, do my morning routine. I was going to make some coffee. And Annabelle comes running in. She's like, dad, 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 I want to help you make some coffee. I want to help you make some coffee. I was like, first of all, I didn't need her help, right? But man, my heart was just like, oh, this is awesome. My daughter wants to. Do, do create, make coffee with me, you know what I mean? So it wasn't like I just, I didn't necessarily need her, but like I wanted her to join in with me, and she she might even made a, I think she did, we made mess with grounds everywhere, you know what I mean? But we still made some good coffee, and we were building relationship, and we were building that, that father-daughter bond. And the Lord spoke to me that morning, right after we were doing it. It's like, Paul, this is me and you. I don't need you. I can do whatever I want. I am God, but I want you to be involved with what I'm doing because I love you, and I want to show you my ways. I want to teach you who I am. I want you to know me, and I love being with you. I mean, it broke my heart. I was like, oh, my gosh, this awesome picture. Because I, I, I was feeling the same thing from my daughter. She's like, man, I love this girl. She is so cool, you know? And... um. But that's, that's why God wants us to partner with him, to see the purposes of heaven. And I hope to change your, your kind of, some, some of you guys might be thinking that God just kind of like waiting on us, like, come on, guys, what in the world? Are you? We need this thing to be moving. You know, God's not impatient. He's not worried. He's looking for kids, his kids, to come and, hey, Father, let's make some coffee. He's looking for that relationship. He's looking for, because really that's what he's after more than anything else. 
Because, I mean, at the, just the blink of the eye, he could just be like, Holy Spirit, you ready? You, you go down here, you do what you want to do. No, but he, he wants to partner with, with us because he loves us and he wants that intimacy. And I don't know if you guys have experienced it before, but there's times when God uses you. You, you know it wasn't you, but there's times that God uses you and you're just like, you have this awesome, like just, man, what a privilege to work with God that he's allowed me to be used by him. There's an intimacy that does take place. Well, and he designed it that way, right? All right. So that's why Elijah had to pray. And there's, we can go into more, you know, how the Lord gave us responsibility. You know, the Lord's of the heavens and the earth is, as he has given to the sons of man. There is a responsibility that he wants, that he won't break. You know, he set up laws in the heavens and on the earth that he won't break because he set them up. And, uh, but we won't go in there right now. We've got to go somewhere else. So why did Elijah have to pray in that birthing position? Well, I believe it was a picture of him literally birthing the promises of God here on earth. Just like a mom or mother is in labor and is giving birth, and I've been through four of these things, and I've seen it. It's pretty messy. But it's awesome. It's glorious. Um, but it was, man, the first one was like war. I, thought, I felt like I was in war. But it was, it was still good. And, um, but it's an awesome picture of, like, the promises of God being birthed. And here's my little Christmas plug here. <laughs> for the Christmas message here, of, of, you know, we're in December. You know, this same thing happened to Mary, right? Gabriel shows up to Mary and says, you know, guess what? You're highly favored, and the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and you're going to give birth to the Son of God, basically. So he gives her this word, impregnates her with this word, and lit, like spiritually and physically, because you physically gave birth to Jesus, right? But she carried for that, that promise and that over nine months. And guess what? She did things differently. For you guys who've had uh, kids, and even the dads, you guys do things differently too. You protect your, your wife more. Like, oh, no, no, you don't want to be doing that, Heather. You know, Heather wanted, like, I don't know, when like Heather's going to go on a trampoline or something. But, you know, like, there, there's like a protectedness that comes over the dads, but even more so the, the, the mom, right? They start changing the way they eat. They, um, you know, they change, they're getting ready, they're preparing, they get in this like nesting weird mode, you know, guys don't totally understand, but, you know, but like they change, they do things differently because they, they have this promise that they're going to give birth to this child. So they get ready and they, and they do things differently. Well, the same thing happens when you're impregnated with the word of God, when God gives you a promise you, you, you act differently. You do things differently. You wake up in the middle of the night, and you're like, God, I don't want to wake up. But there's something in you that's like, I'm going to wake up because I know you're going to do something here, and, and I love what you're going to do, and I want to be a co-worker and partner with you to see it come to pass. Or, oh, man, I don't want to go to this prayer meeting. I'm just not feeling it, you know, like I've got this other stuff. I got bu busyness is like ruling your life. And like, and the, and the Lord's like saying, just come away. 
Just come away with me. And then, and it's those, those times where, of course, my flesh is like, man, I want to do this. and that. But there's something in me that's saying, man, God, I'm so hungry for you. I'm so hungry for the purpose of heaven here in Wilmington. I don't want to waste any more day of my days. My days are numbered. And I'm probably halfway through them, me personally, right? Hopefully. <laughs> I don't have much time. Man, those days went by like that. I mean, seriously, they went by like that. I don't want to waste another day. I'm going to have all eternity to be living it up, to being in his glory, for being in his presence, to speaking with him. I mean, I'm going to have that face-to-face -face relationship with him in eternity. And I only got maybe 45 more years of my life. Why waste it on these things? Now, I'm preaching to myself here because I need to tell myself that. Our days are numbered. So let's make the most of them. Let's fulfill the purpose and the high calling of God on our lives. Let's not waste any more time. All right. So Elijah, he got in this birthing position. He's down and he's birthing. He's in prayer and birth. And there's literally a prayer that is like birthing prayer. I know it sounds really weird. Some of you guys, we talked about it before. Um, but like, I know it sounds really weird, but the Holy Spirit does come upon people. And there's this thing, people, the church has kind of put a label on it. And it's like, they call it a spirit of travail. And it's literally, you are like partnering with the Holy Spirit and you're birthing something in the spirit. And it's not drummed up. You can't drum this thing up. It's just like the Holy Spirit just kind of like touches you and just like, oh gosh, I'm in labor. <laughs> It's happened to me. The first time it happened to me, I was like, what in the world is going on? This is weird. But I knew in the spirit, I knew it was the Lord. And I knew, and, and you know, we won't go there yet. Okay. So anyway, so, so there's a birthing prayer that's going to come upon us and come upon some of you guys. And, and this is just, I'm just putting it out there for your awareness. If that thing comes upon you, the Holy Spirit comes upon you in that way. Just yield to him. Just pray. Just let them pray through you. You're doing something significant in the spirit. Something significant is taking place in the spirit that is preparing the way for his move here. All right. Romans 8, 26, in the same way the spirit also helps our weakness for when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart's knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So this is what this is talking about. This is that groaning. It's literally like a groaning. I don't know what else to tell you. But it's literally, and I don't know if you guys have seen birth before. I mean, that woman given birth, she is groaning especially Heather. She didn't even do drugs, like didn't do all the like painkillers and stuff. She it was like, man, it was like, it was tough. <laughs> especially that first one. It was like, I literally felt like I got, I, I just experienced war. It was like so traumatic, but it was awesome. 
It was awesome. It was like 23 hours of this, like, I mean, it was rough, okay? And she didn't do any painkillers. She's like, I want all natural or whatever, you know? And I was like, you go, girl, because I've been asked for drugs about, like, hour two, you know? But there was groaning because she was birthing something, this beautiful, awesome girl who's now, you know, not a little baby girl anymore. It's crazy. But... But it produced this awesome promise and gift. So we invite that Holy Spirit. We invite that spirit of intercession, that, 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 that prayer, of, of that, that birthing prayer. We invite you to just use us, Lord. We want to be like Mary in those willing vessels for you to use to see your purpose, and to see you move here. All right, so we won't go. I got a whole thing about that with Mary, but we'll move on here. We got we to gotta land this thing, right? So why didn't God send the rain the first time Elijah prayed? Because this is the key here. Why didn't he send, him the, send rain the first time? It was his will, because think about this. God speaks to Elijah and says, hey, I'm going to bring some rain. Do this, do this, do this. And then Elijah's like, okay, cool. Well, uh, you're God. You can do what you want. But I know you called me to pray, so I'm going to go up there and I'm going to pray. So he prays the first time. He's praying the will of God. Are you getting this? I know this is simple, but think about this. He's literally praying the will of God. He's hearing God audibly at times. Getting This is a prophet of God. And he's praying the will of God. And nothing happens the first time. Are you guys getting this? I know this is simple, but you got to get this. Because a lot of us here, including myself, we've heard the promises of God, and we prayed it, and nothing happened. And we heard this report from the servant, uh, you know, Elijah, and, we, and he says, now oh, there's nothing there. Nothing happened. And we get discouraged. Discouragement comes on us. The enemy comes. He's like, look, ha, 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 look, you didn't hear from God. You know, the punk comes, and he starts shooting you down and discouraging you and getting you questioning what you heard from the Lord. And he starts, like, just shutting you down because he knows if he can get you discouraged and stuck and down that you're not going to destroy the work of the enemy that he's doing in people's lives. So you better believe it that he's going to come after you when you start praying the promises of God and he's going to start discouraging you. But what did Elijah do? He kept at it. He kept praying. He did it seven times. Some of us pray only like twice and then we're like, oh, we're done with this. I guess I didn't hear from God. I'm going to try something else. And then, we, and then we like look and we're looking for something else. We're looking for something other, some other shiny thing in the spirit to go after. When all along God spoke to us, no, 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 back here, don't give up on this. Now, I'm talking to myself here. I do the same thing too. I'm like, Lord, this is hard. I want to look at something cool. I want to see whatever conference that's going on. The Holy Spirit's doing some stuff. I'm going to jump on that bandwagon. When all along he's called me, no, Paul, you're called here. You're called to be praying the purposes of God here. You're called to be praying and seeing the move of God here in Wilmington. You know how many times I've been tempted to move on? Many. 
I've been here, I don't know, gosh, 18 years, something like that. I've been tempted many times to move on. And by the grace of God, literally, him literally trapping me at times, <laughs> I'm not, I haven't gone anywhere. And it's because God wants to do something here, and, and he wants me to be part of it. I'm so grateful for his mercy for trapping me at times. Because I've been, I've been somewhere else. I wouldn't have been in Wilmington anymore. And um, so anyways, what I'm saying that is like, this is the key. This is the key. All right, there's lots of keys here. But this, if you guys hear anything today, this is the key. And we're going we're gonna to break it down and close this thing out. So he prayed seven times. And he prayed, 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 prayed, and prayed, right? Finally, he sees this little thing. He didn't see this huge cumulonimbus-like cloud with lightning and thunder and everything. And he, he just saw this little cloud, like the size of a hand. The little this is a word for us, and this is a word for really any move of God. He uses the little. He uses the manger. You guys call it manger. I call it a barn. It was a barn full of stinky, dirty animals. How many of you guys have chickens? I just started having chickens this year. They are stinky animals. They poop everywhere. There are some chickens in that barn, and the Son of God literally shows up and is born in that place. He uses the little, the humble. And he gets all the glory. Azusa Street was literally a barn. Azusa Street. You guys all know the story of Azusa Street. Like, literally, it was the birth of the Pentecostal movement. Has transformed the world. Millions of churches probably have been, like, grown out of this. It's been a result of it. The Pentecostal movement, which is the fastest, biggest growing movement in the world was started in a barn, Azusa Street. God uses the small. He's not looking for the megachurch necessarily. He will use megachurches, and he does use megachurches. Praise God for them. I thank God for them. They're bringing people in the kingdom. But he uses the little, the humble, the 120, to transform literally history forever. We can fit 120 people in here, <laughs> right? So he used the, the little, right? Okay. And we're going to turn to James 5, 16, because you've got to marry these two portions of Scripture together because basically they're, they're talking about the same things, right? And he's they're actually referring it to it. So James 5, 16, it says, the earnest, I'm going to read from the Amplified, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic, and it's working. Uh, Elijah, who we were just reading about, was a human being with a nature such as we have, with feelings, affections, and constitution like ours. He got discouraged like we get discouraged. He got encouraged like we get encouraged. He, got, he fell into sin just like we fell into sin. I mean, he was just like us. That's what that scripture is saying, basically. And he prayed earnestly for it not to rain, and no rain fell on the earth for three years and six months. And then he prayed again, and the heavens supplied rain, and the land produced its crops. 
All right. I want to start off right off the bat with this whole portion of scripture because this is one of the biggest areas when I talk to people that people get tripped up on, the righteous man part of it. And actually, Josh was talking about it uh, today uh, during worship a lot about it, our righteousness. So it says a righteous, the prayer of a righteous man, right, or woman. So right off the bat, some of you guys are reading that and you're thinking in the head or in your head or even the enemy's speaking to you right now. He's saying, you're not righteous. That first off, that, that disqualifies you. You got to leave it. You got to leave this promise to those who are righteous, that are godly, that are walking with the Lord, to the pastors, to the what evangelists, the, you know, men of God, women of God. I'm going to tell you right now, that's a lie from the enemy. Where does our righteousness come from? Solely from Jesus. Solely from Jesus. Guess who that qualifies? Not everyone. Who does it qualify? Every born-again believer. If you're not born again, your righteousness is as filthy rags, Scripture says. Our righteousness as a born-again believer is only because of the work and finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ, right? And if you don't believe me, believe him who actually said it in his words. And, it, and he said, this is 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin. He was sinless to be sin. He actually became sin on our behalf. Why? so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Thank you, Lord. Because if it was based on anything I did or didn't do, man, I've been completely disqualified before I even entered in the room. You know what I mean? I mess up every single day. I need his grace every single day. But thank God that I was justified by my faith in him. And righteousness was given to me. And I'm literally clothed in his righteousness, and you are too, because you've been justified. So that doesn't, so if you're a born again believer, you're not off the hook <laughs> with that scripture, okay? So that qualifies you. The earnest, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. So I want to highlight, this is the main part of it. Earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer. And then he talks about Elijah. So what was Elijah doing? What was he doing? He was praying seven times over and over and over and over and over. He probably, I, he probably would have prayed 25 times until that he saw that, that hand, uh, that, that cloud come out of the, the sea or whatever. It was that earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer that made tremendous power available. I love how it words that. That when you pray in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, that your prayers are doing something. Whether you believe it or not, whether you see it or not, when you open your mouth and you start praying the purposes and the will of God because you prophetically receive them, 
tremendous power is made available. That means your prayer is literally making a difference in the spirit for people around you, whether you see it or not. I know that's simple. It's like, duh, Paul, that's why we pray, right? I'm saying that because don't give up. And the enemy has tricked some of us to stop, to stop praying. Man, that, that guy's too far gone. Man, that dream and that promise is way too big. I've been praying that thing for, man, two weeks, and I haven't seen nothing. <laughs> All right. So if Elijah was just like us, and he was able to see tremendous power through his prayer, how much more who have a better covenant than he did? You know, he, he was under the covenant of the law, the old covenant. We are under this new covenant where we can boldly come before the very throne of God in the spirit and make our requests known to him. Elijah didn't have that. Every single believer here does. Your prayers are powerful. So persistence is the key. All right, Holy Spirit, where do you want to go from here? We're going to land this thing. I've got, I've got a whole nother message here. So <laughs> persistence is the key. Let me, let me finish it with this story. Um, you know, when, when the Lord first called me into ministry, I was doing uh, college ministry, actually. I was doing, um, I was doing ministry at University of Maryland in Baltimore. I was a worship leader. And a prayer leader, actually. And we, we saw the Lord do really cool stuff. And, um, and the Lord uh, called me to, to be part of another ministry after I got out of college. And um, I've shared this story with some of you guys already. But, uh, man, I was on fire for the Lord. I was so, I had such expectation for the Lord to move. And because um, we were seeing God move and doing, you know, tremendous things. And... Um, and I remember it was probably the second month I was at this ministry, and uh, I was leading. I was a worship leader, and we were, you know, doing doing ministry there. And and after two months, I remember just like being so discouraged, and I was like, ready. I was literally on the verge of quitting. It's like, Lord, I must have missed you on this thing, because man, this is, I don't see nothing happen. I was expecting a revival after two months now. I mean, I'm, I'm not joking. I was like, I had such an expectation on God to move in power that like when it didn't show up, when he didn't show up in that capacity to my expectations, I was like, oh man, I miss God. And I was so discouraged. And I was, I remember I was just kind of talking to the Lord. I remember where I was. I was literally, I was in my uh, apartment in my bedroom, and I was just like, Lord, I miss this thing, man. Lord, help me get back on track. Lord, I thought you were going to move here. I'm just dis discouraged. Lord, where where have you been? Like, I mean, you know, I'm real with God. I just tell him what I, what's on my heart because he already knows it, right? So I'm just like, I'm real with him, and then and I'm whining, you know, and I'm complaining, <laughs> and, uh, and the Lord drops this scripture in my heart and uh, just like immediately and the, the address of the scripture. I didn't know what it meant or what the, uh, what it was off the top of my head. So I turned my Bible. It said James five, seven. So I read it 
And it says the earnest, oh wait, sorry, that was the other James. This is James 5, 7. It says, the first thing it says, remember now, I'm praying and I'm like, God, I'm like, so I'm impatiently just like, God, what in the world? The first thing it says is, therefore, be patient. <laughs> but it doesn't stop there. It says, until the coming of, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. You see, I was praying for the coming of the Lord. Now, this scripture is specifically praying for, you know, his second coming. But he was kind of speaking to me, Rama, there, that like, keep, be patient, Paul. I'm going to come. And it says, the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil, being patient about it until it gets the early and late rains. So I was like, okay, Lord. All right, that's what I need. I mean, I could have made that up. You know, I'm literally saying impatiently, Lord, come on, what you doing? I don't see nothing. And then he shows me this picture of a farmer. If you guys ever watch, like, uh, you ever plant a garden, you know, it takes a while. Like, Heather, Heather right now, she's doing this winter garden, and I thought it was dead. I thought it was done because, like, she planted a long time ago. I don't know, a long time for me, relatively. And, I'm, and, like, you know, every day I'll be walking around, and I'll be looking at checking anything, and there's nothing, just, like, dirt. You know, and uh, I was like, oh, man, that thing's dead. And um, I was like, Heather, Heather, the chickens, they they ate your seeds. (laughs) And then I think it was last week I went out there. I was like, wait a second. I see some green popping out of there. And uh, sure enough, next day it's all more green. And now she's got her garlic growing. And I got a bunch of garlic shoots like popping up or whatever. But he was talking to me and he was showing me this scripture, this picture of like, Paul, you're planting right now. You're not going to see anything, but be patient. Wait for the rain of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to be honest, it was, it was hard for me. I was young. I was like in my 20s. I was like zealous, you know. But like the Lord kept speaking to me about it. And about three years, it took about three years, we started seeing people getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. We saw, started seeing people getting healed of cancer. I mean, we saw crazy stuff. But it took three years. And it took me three years not giving up. After service after service that were dry and crusty. And I was like, man, God, where are you? You know what I'm saying? Worship leaders out there, you've been there. You've done those services. You led worship. You're like, God, man, I hope you were there because, man, I don't know. where. <laughs> but I mean, we had times where it was like, whoa, you know, the Lord's there too. But you know what I'm saying? So um, all that to say, like, this is my Christmas message. Maybe I'll need to do part two in the next couple of weeks. But Let's be like that, that Mary, available and waiting, and say, be unto me according to your word. Lord, let us, let us be like Mary and be those willing vessels to literally carry the purposes of Wilmington here and birth it in prayer to see it come to pass. That's why you're here. Don't think you're in Wilmington for anything else. I mean, you have different specific callings and jobs and all that stuff, and that's part of it. But this move of God is going to come through all these avenues that you're all, the, you're all the other purposes and plans God has for you here. But you're here to see God move, I'm telling you. And I know a lot of you actually have come here because the Lord told you to come here, specifically because he's going to move. And some of you guys have come here because the Lord's told you, but you still don't know why. Well, I'm telling you that's why. He wants to use you. He wants to use us to literally birth the the purposes and the promises of God here in Wilmington.
He's looking for willing vessels. And we did talk about this uh, probably a couple, it was a month ago or so, but let's just invite him right now.